It was a huge day for the Atlanta Braves on Tuesday. It's not only did they get a big win over the New York Mets with Charlie Morton dominating on the mound with 12 strikeouts, but Mike Soroka made his first rehab start and looked amazing. And they locked up another young stud for many years to come in Michael Harris. We got a lot to talk about on this episode of Locked On Braves, so let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves. Your daily Atlanta Braves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we are covering your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Check out my bio there to see everywhere I am covering the game of baseball, including the Atlanta Braves in written form over at tomahawktake.com, where I am the co-editor. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at lockdown underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. Always love hearing from the listeners. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit that thumbs up button, and that notification bell so you get notified whenever we post a new episode. And as always, thank you for making Lockdown Braves your first listen each and every day. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and are free and available on all platforms. And we got a big episode for you today. There is a lot to dive into. We got, obviously, the game from Tuesday, the Atlanta Braves 5-0 win over the New York Mets and Charlie Morton's performance. We'll dive deep into that. And then, obviously, from the offensive side of things, a couple of big home runs. But then we're going to get into Mike Soroka and his first rehab start. And obviously the big news late on Tuesday night as the Atlanta Braves extended Michael Harris for eight more seasons. So like I said, a lot to talk about today. It should be a fun episode of Locked On Braves. But let's start with the action on the field as the Atlanta Braves took down the New York Mets 5 to nothing on Tuesday, another Pretty dominating, convincing win for the Atlanta Braves. They've now won eight in a row, and they're now three and a half back in the division. Now, I'll, I say all that and keep in mind, and I talked about this on the postcast, these were the games the Braves were supposed to win in this series. You had Spencer Strider and Charlie Morton going against Carlos Carrasco and Taiwan Walker, You know the Mets' fourth and fifth starters. Not only that, but both of them had to leave early in that game for rain delay, injuries, all of that. So unfortunate circumstances there for the New York Mets, who have lost both of their starters in the first two games of this series. Still, these are games the Braves haven't been winning against the Mets, and they were able to do so, and now they set themselves up for an opportunity. They take one of these next two games against Scherzer and DeGrom. They win this series. You pick up two games in the division in this series, and you're feeling a lot better about your chances down the stretch. Still a long way to go, but either way, Braves have looked like a much different team against the Mets in these first two games. And for me, all that starts on the mound. And, you know, I get it from the Mets pitching side in this series. Their starters have been banged up. Again, you had the rain delay kind of mess things up in game one, although I felt like the Braves were having good at-bats against Carlos Carrasco before the rain delay and the injury. But coming into this series, it was a starting pitching for the Atlanta Braves that hasn't 
lived up to the expectations in this series against the New York Mets here lately. And that, to me, is what I was looking for the most to see if the Braves could turn things around. Look, in the last series in New York, the offense wasn't a problem in those first three games. Obviously, in the games pitched by Scherzer and DeGrom, offense is going to be hard to come by. But in the first three games in that series, offense wasn't the problem. It's been the starting pitching. And games are over before the starters leave the game, giving the Braves no chance to come back late. And so for me, that's what I was looking forward to the most in this series is seeing Braves starters, especially the ones at the top, you know, Morton and Strider. I don't know that we'll get to see Freed or Wright in this series, but seeing them be more aggressive, seeing them take the fight to the Mets instead of just letting the Mets hitters frustrate them and, and get to them and get them out of there after five innings. And so far, that's what we've seen in this series. Charlie Morton with just an unbelievable performance on Tuesday. Six and two-thirds innings, three hits, one walk, the last batter that he faced. No earned runs and 12 strikeouts. He threw 97 pitches, 66 of them for strikes. Was consistently getting ahead, you know, 0-2, 1-2. You know, if the first pitch wasn't a strike, more often than not, that second pitch was. So he wasn't immediately falling behind hitters 2-0 and and getting in those favorable counts for Mets hitters like we've seen in the previous series where these two teams have matched up. And, you know, that's what you have to do. That's what Strider did on Monday. That's what you have to do against this Mets team. You can't allow them to just sit there and take pitches until they get in a good hitter's count and then wait for you to make a mistake or when they can key in on a certain pitch. You know, that's how they feasted off the Braves here lately. So it's good to see the Braves starters changing that approach a little bit. And we continue this kind of roller coaster with Charlie Morton as well. While I want to be very excited about what he did on Tuesday, you know, he's done this over the past month, but then he follows that up with a bad start his next time out. Braves need more consistency from him. You look at his last six starts, he's given up five earned, and then he gives up nothing. He gives up four earned, then he gives up nothing. He gave up five earned his last time out, and then on Tuesday night, he gives up nothing. We need to see some more consistency from Charlie Morton. This was a great start. He's had great starts over the last two months. I need to see him follow that up and back that up. His next start could come on Sunday against the Houston Astros. So we'll see if he can back this up with another great performance against another very good lineup on Sunday. But getting back into Tuesday's performance, it was that curveball, and it was filthy. And when it's on, it's one of the best in all of baseball. He threw 48 of them, so nearly 50% of his pitches thrown were the curveball. He got 11 swings and misses on 24 swings against that curveball, a 46% whiff rate, and he also got six called strikes on it. I know late in the game, he threw a couple of backdoor curveballs to Brandon Nimmo that were just perfectly placed on the outside corner for strikes. He really just had that curveball working. He didn't hit anybody with it, which is also a great improvement. He's had problems with that. He got 19 swings and misses overall, which is just incredible, especially against that Mets team, and 17 called strikes for a total of 36 swings and misses in called strikes. That is an elite category. Anytime you're getting around 40, you know, when you're going that deep into the game, that's very good. And an 83.3 mile per hour average exit velocity against the balls that were put in play weren't being hit very hard. He only gave up three 
hard hit balls on the 10 balls that were put into play. So again, just an absolutely great performance from, uh, from Charlie Morton. Again, he was mostly fastball curveball 75% of the time, but he mixed in that changeup sinker and cutter a handful of times. And I think that was enough just to keep the hitters off balance, but that curveball was so good that he just kept throwing it. He was able to locate it. And that's when Morton can be so effective. I mentioned he also threw the changeup uh, nine times. He got six swings on it and got four swings and misses. So that was a pitch he was able to go to as well. So, again, a great performance from Charlie Morton. Much needed against the division rival. For me, though, I need to see him follow that up with another good outing his next time out because here lately it's been great, bad, great, bad. I need to see him with a couple of great outings in a row because that's what the Braves need from him going into the postseason. As far as the rest of the pitching on this night, Charlie Morton came out in that seventh inning. He had given up a, a single to Francisco Lindor. Then, like I said, the last batter he faced, Daniel Vogelbach, he ends up walking him. Brian Snicker goes to Dylan Lee. I didn't necessarily love the move. I thought that was a great spot to bring in A.J. Minter because the tying run was at the plate at that time. It was a 3 nothing game. But you bring in Dylan Lee, he gets ahead 0-2, goes full on Jeff McNeil, then throws a perfect fastball up and in to get Jeff McNeil to swing and miss, which doesn't happen very often, but he did it three times on Tuesday night. So that was a big moment there for Dylan Lee. And you heard during the broadcast them talking about the fact that he hasn't been very good when he's pitched in back-to-back games. And I think Snicker's going to be more cognizant of that going forward and give him a couple of days off in between outings where he seems to be more effective. But that was a big moment there for Dylan Lee getting out of that jam. And then the Braves go out there, tack on a couple more runs to kind of put the game away at that point. But I talked about the starting pitching and that being the key for me coming into this series. And you look at the first two games with the pitching, not just starters, but overall with the pitching where the Braves has have done against this Mets lineup. 18 innings, just 10 hits allowed, only three walks, which is very key against that Mets lineup, one earned run and 19 strikeouts. And that one earned run, uh, look, Ronald Acuna Jr., you know, misplayed that ball in right field. Maybe that run scores regardless, but that run was a little bit aided by a wet baseball and some uh, poor defense by Acuna. I wouldn't necessarily say poor defense, but uh, that run, you know, maybe on most nights doesn't come around to score, but it did either way. And this pitching staff still has been great against the Mets in these first two games. Can they keep it up for the rest of this series? That's what we'll have to see. I want to talk about the, a little bit about the offensive side of things before we get into Soroka and Harris, and we'll discuss that next. Did you know the key to sustainable weight loss is through your liver? The liver is the body's metabolic furnace. It's responsible for flushing out harmful toxins and igniting your fat-burning metabolism. But thanks to modern diets rich in unhealthy processed foods and constant exposure to thousands of man-made environmental toxins, most of us have overworked livers. But now it's easy to rejuvenate your liver health and reignite your metabolism thanks to Liver Health Formula by Pure Health Research. Liver Health Formula contains eight liver-boosting supernutrients like turmeric, beet, and artichoke extract, all of which work together to wake up a sluggish liver. Go to getliverhelp.com slash MLB to learn more. Again, that's getliverhelp.com slash MLB to try liver health formula completely risk-free and claim your free bottle of curb fit with your order. Go to getliver.help 
getliverhelp.com slash MLB now to get started. The Atlanta Braves didn't put up 13 runs on Tuesday night, but they got the job done with five runs scored. First three of those coming from the home run ball, something that the Braves are very familiar with this year. Robbie Grossman got it started with his first home run as a Brave, hitting one into the chop house, getting a start for the injured Eddie Rosario and batting ninth, interestingly enough, against a right-handed starter. And then Matt Olson hit a two-run homer later in the game that almost went into the battery outside the stadium, lands on top of the chop house, an absolute moonshot of a baseball. Love to see that from Matt Olson. And for a while, that was all the Braves were able to get. They were getting base runners early on and just not able to capitalize and bring them in. And you thought maybe that could hurt them. Again, you got to that seventh inning. It was just a 3 nothing game, and the Mets brought the tying run to the plate, even though it felt like you had been dominating for most of that game. It really could have turned right there because the Braves weren't able to add on and tack on some runs early. But they did so late. They scored two in the seventh inning. Acuna worked his fourth walk of the game and scored on a single to left center by Dansby Swanson. Just some amazing base running by Ronald Acuna Jr., who just never stopped. The ball was bobbled a little bit by the center fielder, but Acuna comes around to score on a single to left center field. Just shows what he can do on the bases. However, with those four walks, he got caught stealing twice in this game. The first one... I was just an incredible throw. I saw the jump and I thought, okay, that's an easy stolen base. He got a great jump and it was just a perfect throw by the Mets catcher. And then later in the game, ball bounces off the bricks behind home plate through the umpire's leg right to the catcher who again makes a great throw and just barely gets Acuna both plays very close at second base. So a bit unfortunate there for Acuna and that kind of led to the Braves not being able to score some more runs earlier in this game, but still four walks for Acuna and some great base running in that seventh inning to get a big add on run. And then Matt Olson picked up his third RBI of the night, driving in Dansby Swanson later in that seventh inning on a beautiful hit the other way. So a couple of really great swings for Matt Olson on Tuesday, which is great to see. I mentioned Acuna and the four walks on Tuesday. He's reached base and seven of nine plate appearances in this series so far. You're just continuing to see better at-bats from Ronald Acuna Jr. You're seeing that walk rate go up. You're seeing that strikeout rate go down, and you're seeing him start to get some more lift on the baseballs. Haven't seen that barrage of home runs yet, but still, he's getting on base, and more often than not, when there's not a great catcher behind the plate with a great arm making incredible throws, when Acuna gets on base, he scores runs, and so that was great to see. Overall, the offense, like I said, only scored five runs on this night, eight hits, six walks, just three strikeouts. Again, we're seeing this a lot over the last couple of weeks now, really since that series in New York. You're seeing a lot of games now where the walks and strikeouts are very even for the Atlanta Braves, and I think that goes to show their change in approach that they've had, again, since that series at City Field, just much better at bats. So you're loving to see that. The only difference tonight compared to Monday night, they were when they were seven for 14 with runners in scoring position. On Tuesday, just one for seven with runners in scoring position. So again, weren't able to tack on those runs early. Kind of kept the game close until they scored those two runs in the seventh inning. But still, 
just great approaches by the Braves hitters, getting on base, getting hits, taking their walks, putting the ball in play, what you love to see, and still providing that power with those home runs that got the scoring started. So that's what you love to see when this Braves offense is clicking. Going to be some bigger tests coming up in this series, but in the first two games, certainly love what you've seen. So hopefully they're able to keep that up. All right, next, I want to talk about Mike Soroka. I want to talk about Michael Harris. We'll discuss that after this break. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes few too many as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out. You think of calling for a ride, but nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal, right? What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, or perhaps you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risk of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So, If you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe, and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. A lot of news happening for the Atlanta Braves on Tuesday. A lot of big news, and maybe the biggest of them all. I don't really know. I talked about it uh, on Twitter. I tweeted it out. I seriously was more excited for Mike Soroka than watching the Mets-Braves game, and I was locked into that that start from Mike Soroka, and man, was it great to see. I mean, not just the results, and the results are great, and I'll talk about that, but just seeing him back out on a mound after all that he's gone through, and look, I've never met the guy personally, but everybody talks about how great he is from a fan's perspective, what we see. Everything talks about how great he is, and you can see it. So to see him be able to come back out after the two Achilles injuries and be able to pitch again, do what he loves, that is just cause for celebration in and of itself. And, oh, by the way, the results were fantastic, and he looked like the old Mike Soroka. Velocity down a mile per hour or two, but still – the effectiveness and none of his pitches were straight. You watch his, his pitches, none of them straight. They're all diving, darting away. It was just truly was incredible. And he's able to do that in the zone and get swings and misses. Yes. These are high a batters, those poor, unfortunate souls, but four innings, one hit, eight strikeouts, 45 pitches balls put in play were weak balls, you know, on the infield, one snuck through the right side of the infield for a hit. He gave up another – it was called an error. It was a dribbler to third base. I thought it was a tough play for the third baseman. Could have gone down as a hit. But either way, you know, nothing hit really hard. Struck out eight of the first nine batters that he faced. I mean, talk about an incredible start making your first rehab and you strike out eight of the first nine batters. He was only scheduled to go three innings, but because he was so efficient and striking out all those batters – in the first three innings, he went back out for the fourth. Didn't get any more strikeouts that inning, but again, gave up some weak contact and was able to pitch four scoreless innings. Truly encouraging. Again, 
whatever the results were, just seeing Soroka get back out there would have been great, but the results were great. He mentioned himself after the game. He felt like he could have gotten big league hitters out on that night. And maybe the most scary thing of all for the competition, he said the sinker is honestly the best it's ever been. And he had a pretty good one beforehand. And if it's better than it's ever been, watch out. Look, I'm trying not to get any expectations uh, too too high right now, but the idea of Mike Soroka being able to come back, and maybe not this year, and he was honest with that after the game, that there's still you know no expectations for him, no plans for him to pitch for the Braves this year. But looking towards potentially next year, if you could get back the version of Mike Soroka we've seen before, I mean, that is that is truly awesome and, and encouraging. And again, I just wish the best for him. I still think we see him pitch in a Braves uniform this year, even if it is, you know, out of the bullpen or maybe as a an opener, he pitches a couple innings or maybe he gets a start and you just see how far he can go. I still don't know how much you can ramp him up for a potential postseason, but it's a first step. It's still a long way to go. And this is just a great start for Mike Soroka. Uh, again, we'll see him make you know several more rehab starts, but things couldn't have gone much better for him than they did on Tuesday night. And I'm just so happy for the person and the player. But that wasn't the biggest news on Tuesday, although it may have been my favorite news. But after the game, really towards the end of the game, you heard some news break from Robert Murray, who initially reported that the two sides Michael Harris and the Atlanta Braves were deep in discussions on an eight-year contract extension. And then around 11.15 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday night, it was officially announced by the team that the Braves did indeed lock up Michael Harris for eight years and $72 million through the 2030 season. There's also two club options that could extend it into 2032, a $15 million option for 2031 with a $5 million buyout and a $20 million option for 2032 with a $5 million buyout. He'll make $5 million each of the next two seasons, which is a significant bump. Uh, for at least next year, he would have still been under the league minimum of seven hundred dollars So that's a huge raise for Michael Harris in these next two years, getting $5 million. Then he'll make $8 million in, in 2025 and 2026. 9 million in 27, 10 million in 2028 and 2029, and 12 million in 2030. So, again, the Braves will get Michael Harris for eight years and they'll never pay him more than 12 million a year. If it goes into those option years, then obviously they will. That is pretty incredible value. Now, there's there's risk, as there's risk in all of these long term deals, but even if he takes a step back offensively, he's not the offensive player we've seen this year. He's more of a, a 260, 270 hitter, you know, around 15 home runs. Still think either way he's going to steal you 20 bags. You've now locked up a gold glove center fielder. That's not going away. You've locked up a gold glove center fielder for eight years, and you're never paying him more than $12 million a year, and you're only doing that in one year of the deal. Truly incredible work by Alex Anthopoulos, what he's done and be, been able to do. You look now at the players he has locked up. Riley's locked up to, through 2032. Harris is potentially locked up through 2032. Olsen through 2030. Acuna through 2028. Grissom through 2028. 
Albies through 2027, William Contreras through 2027. That's your lineup. I mean, that's your core lineup through at least 2027. That is that is really incredible what Alex Anthopoulos has done. You look at the pitching, there's some work to be done there, but still you have Free through 2024, Wright through 2026, Strider through 2027. At least through that 2027 season now, you have a definitive core of a championship caliber team. And now this gives you cost certainty to go out, go out and be able to make other moves in the offseason, to make other trades. I mean, it's just really great work by Alex Anthopoulos, what he's been able to do. You love to see it as a Braves fan, to know you're going to have these great young talents locked up in your hometown for a long time is certainly a lot of fun. So, again, another great sign, I believe, here by, by Alex Anthopoulos locking up Michael Harris for years to come, and we'll see what's next this offseason. Do they bring back Dansby Swanson? Do they extend Max Freed? I mean, who knows? Uh, with the way that Alex Anthopoulos likes to work. But that was some huge news dropped on Tuesday night. And now to set you up for Wednesday's game, after all of that, you have Max Scherzer versus Jake Odorizzi. This is where, this is the real test now for the Braves. They won the first two games, which is what they were supposed to do in those pitching matchups. But now comes the real test. Can you get it done against Max Scherzer? Can you get it done versus Jacob deGrom? You look at Max Scherzer this year, look, he's been as good as he's ever been for the Hall of Famer. 16 games, he's 8-2, a 193 ERA, 0.93 whip, 126 strikeouts in 102 and two-thirds innings. He's gone at least six innings in all but two starts this year. The Mets definitely need some length after going to their bullpen early in the first two games, although they did not use any of their key guys except for Lugo that they for some reason used on Tuesday night and in New York against the Braves his last time out Scherzer tossed seven scoreless innings allowed just four hits no walks with 11 strikeouts so just truly dominating performance he had 23 swings and misses in that game you think about how good Charlie Morton was on Tuesday he had 19 swings and misses Scherzer had 23 in seven innings his last time out against the Braves and 15 called strikes only two hard hit balls against Scherzer by the Braves on 14 balls in play the Braves are a team you know they have one of the highest or they do have the highest hard hit percentage in all of baseball they only had two hard hit balls against Max Scherzer through seven innings on 14 balls put in play we've seen a change in approach like I said the past week from Braves hitters does that carry over against an elite pitcher like Max Scherzer can they lay off that very good slider down and away from right-handed hitters. You want to see some adjustments here by the Braves uh, lineup against Max Scherzer, Scherzer this time around. You know, maybe you you get them out of there after six innings, you get a couple of runs on them. I really think that's got to be the goal for the Braves in this game. But on the opposite side, Jake Odorizzi, look, has not been good for him with the Atlanta Braves. His two starts have not been great. But one thing he has done, he's kept the Braves in the game, whether it was a start in the New York in New York or the start in Miami. You know, he didn't go very long in either of those outings, but he at least kept his team in the game. If he can do that in this game, you know, give five innings of three runs or less, keep the team in the game, and give the Braves a chance late, I think that's really all you can ask for in this pitching matchup. So hopefully Jake Odorizzi can do that, and hopefully the Braves can get to Max Scherzer, have some better at-bats, make him work, and tag a couple of runs against him early on. 
That's the hope for the Braves on Wednesday as they look to go ahead and try to take this series, which would be obviously great to do and just keep on putting pressure on the New York Mets. That would do it for this busy episode of Lockdown Braves. Thanks for sticking around and listening. Thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of every day. Now go make a Lockdown MLB your second listen, where MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and a unique perspective on every team and gives you the biggest stories from around the league. Again, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. You can follow me at shortstopball. Also, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. D.C. Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 